Well, that Jason, he's too funny, huh? (laughs) Joke's on you, I don't have any dollars, so. Welcome to Crosspoint this morning. We're glad that you are here. I want to just extend another welcome to you, as you've heard multiple times today, but we are so glad you're here, especially if you're one of our guests. Uh, Today, Tim has given me the opportunity uh, to speak. I'm going to speak this week and next week about some spiritual formation matters. Uh, You may have heard whenever I came on in April that I was the spiritual formation minister, and as many of you have asked, you've said, what does that mean? Well, today and next week, we hope to give you a little bit better glimpse of what that means and some of the things that, uh, what that entails. And when when we say spiritual formation, uh, kind of what we're talking about. And as part of that, um, connect groups fall under our spiritual formation umbrella. As you know, the last few weeks we've been talking a lot about connect groups. You've seen the tables out in the commons, and we've asked you week after week to sign up for one. And today is our last day that they'll be out there. So what I wanted to do, uh, before we get really going today, is talk a little bit about connect groups and try to answer some questions that you may have about them. For instance, what are they? Well, I'm glad I asked. Connect groups, connect groups are our teaching model here at Crosspoint. Uh, they meet multiple times a week, and what you'll experience when you get into them, every look, great, let me start that sentence over, every group is a little different, but for the most part, you'll either come together, some groups have meals, some groups uh, don't, but you'll come together for a time of teaching and a time of prayer. Um, that teaching will usually involve a lot of discussion, and really what we want is that you just get, <clears throat> get to spend time together with other members here at Crosspoint. Uh, when are they is another good question that you may be wondering. Uh, they meet multiple times during the week. If you include our Celebrate Recovery, we have, we have different groups that meet Sunday through Thursday every week. And so there should be a day and a time that works for you. Uh, When is very similar. Uh, There's multiple times uh, that that those fall under. You may be wondering, like myself, if you have kids, what about my kids? When when might there be child care? Well, on Sundays, many of our groups meet either at the Crosspoint building or close enough in Grand Prairie that we offer child care at the building for families to drop off their children and then head to a connect group. Your connect group will then end early enough so you can come pick your kids up. Likewise, as Jason mentioned in the video, on Wednesday nights, there are two connect groups that will meet here on on the grounds here. And so there are kids' classes during that time. So you can come at 6 p.m., you can have a meal together, uh, your kids can go to class, you can go to your connect group. And so that might also be a good uh, time for that, uh, for you, if you have kids. And the last que- questions I wanted to say um, kind of go together, but who is it for and why should I go? Well, it's for everyone. It's for you specifically. And I know that not everyone has signed up for one because um, you have accountability out there. We know whether your name's out, not out there or not. Many times, I think that at churches, we get up here on stage and we say, hey, we want you to come to this. Our expectation is for everyone to be involved with it. And many of us sit there and go, that's for that guy. Um, that's when my kids get a little older, or I don't have kids anymore, or whatever. But no, actually, we design connect groups. We have multiple people that host them for everyone. We want everyone to be involved in it. As I said, this connects to our spiritual formation, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but it is our desire that we continue to grow as Christians, and this is one of the ways that we do that here at Crosspoint. And so Whenever we say connect groups are for you, I mean each and every one of you individually. If we had the time 
and if I could remember everyone's name, I would just say that right here. It's for you, it's for you, it's for you. And so if you haven't found a connect group yet, today is the day to do that. Now, just because signups won't be out there next week doesn't mean you still can't join a connect group. Uh, that's why we have the connect group wall that, that's out there that has all of the same information. That's going to stay up there um, week to week so you can see what's going on. But be uh, prayerful about a, a time that you can give that over to God, a time that you can join one of our connect groups, because we really want you involved in that. We hope that our groups have to multiply in number because of everyone is going into those. And so I hope that is a good enough connect group push that you guys are uh, fighting there in the line afterwards, but um, we'll see about that. So I want to uh, pray now, and then we're going to uh, go into the Word a little bit. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time that we can come to you and worship. We come together as a church family, God, and, uh, with love and support and encouragement um, for our busy weeks and our, and our lives that, that are full and, and some, sometimes away from you. But God, we come here and we get filled up with your spirit, with the, with the love of each other. And, and God, I ask that you will just bless this time, that we would hear your words. Uh, we thank you mostly for your son, Jesus, and we ask that our life resembles his in every way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So growing up, I played a lot of different sports, and one of my favorite to this day is basketball. Now, my love of basketball and my ability, they don't always match up, um, because I'm here and not in the NBA. And so if they did match up, well, I'd be playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that would be awesome. Um, But this is better, so so I'm glad that didn't work out. But um, I remember being young, and wanting to be better at basketball, wishing I could be taller or jump higher. You know, I want to be like Mike, as they said. And so I asked my dad, how do I get better at basketball? He said, well, you're going to have to practice. And, you know, growing up in Oklahoma, it's either, much like here, too hot in the summer, so want to go outside and play, too cold in the winters, and so you wonder, um, when do I practice? And I remember it being in the winter, my dad said, you need to just go in the garage every day and work on your dribbling. Well, when you're young, that's no fun. Nobody wants to just work on dribbling. You want to shoot. You want to um, you know, try to be like Michael Jordan. My next-door neighbor had a, had a goal we could lower. And so our idea of practice was uh, you know, a dunk contest, right? And so uh, I, still, I still can't dunk. But one day, I'm going to be old enough to dunk. Um, and so I remember the next day after school, I went home. I went to my garage and said, all right, I'm going to work on my dribbling. And about 30 seconds in, I thought, well, this is no fun. And so... Uh, you know, five minutes lasted, and I quit. The next day, five minutes of practice, and then I quit. And like I said, that's why I'm no longer a basketball player. But you know, our faith is like that. Our faith is um, that it has to be put into practice. It's not something that just happens to us, uh, but instead we want to put our faith into practice. And so that's some of what we're going to talk about today, is how do we put our faith into practice? How do we live out our lives in such a way that look like Christ. As I said, we're going to talk about spiritual formation, and I thought I would give you a definition uh, that we can work with today. So here's the definition of spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is the ongoing process of God transforming the believer's life and character toward the life and character of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again if you're taking notes. Spiritual formation is the ongoing process of God transforming the believer's life and character toward the life and character of Jesus Christ. So I want to take parts of that today, and we're going to talk about um, how they apply to our lives this morning. So the first part I want to talk about is it says it's an ongoing process. 
Now, if you've been involved in church or faith for any amount of time, you might have heard people say before that we know we're on a journey. Um, it's, the New Testament oftentimes calls it our walk, a walk with Christ. And that we know that when we enter into faith with Christ, we've entered into a lifetime commitment. And really, it's a lifetime transformation that we have. That we know that whenever you put Christ on in baptism, uh, it doesn't end there, right? It doesn't say, well, now we're done. You're good to go. We'll send you away because you're done here. And it doesn't even end a year later or not even 10 years later. But instead, this is a journey that we are on for life. And this is one thing that we have to take into account when we think about our own spiritual formation. This is what we call discipleship. It's a lifetime process. Now, this is where part of the, the role of a church comes to play. As I mentioned earlier with our connect groups, um, that when, when someone comes into a church, some, one part of what the leadership does, we think through, how do we help this person form spiritually? How do we take them from where they are and help them progress in their journey in faith? Well, and one of the ways that Crosspoint does that, again, is through our connect groups. Uh, there's other ways as well. This is one of the reasons why we come together every Sunday morning to worship. It's part of our formation. And so that's what we want to do, is that we look not only uh, for ourselves, but we look at others and say, how can we help them along in their journey? We want to help people become more spiritually mature. Sometimes this growth can be difficult. Sometimes in, in a lifetime process, it can feel like uh, you're not making any progress. It can feel like the day-to-day gets very mundane. As you know, we started school recently. And kind of whenever you get into school, you know, the rhythm of life gets so that the weeks kind of blend together. Mondays start to look the same, and Thursdays all start to look the same. And so there's, before you know it, you woke up and months have passed. And you wonder, how did it get to November? We just started school. And sometimes our spiritual life can feel like that. Because, you know, you know that in the summer, uh, for youth group students, they have an awesome summer. They have this event and that event, and there's all these great things. And then you kind of get into the regular rhythms of life, and things kind of settle back down. And really, that's normal, though. That's what life is like. Growing up, not only was I trying to play basketball, but I was also trying to work a little bit. And one of the jobs that I had from a young age was mowing lawns. I lived in a neighborhood that had a, a front uh, lawn addition, you know, as you pulled in, there's this whole huge lawn that spanned the entire neighborhood. And the, the kid that got to mow it got paid really well, um, you know, for kids thinking. And he graduated high school, and so I remember it came up, uh, basically forbid, um, <clears throat> who wants to have this lawn? Well, any, anyone wants it because it paid well, and you could have it for years and years and years. So I got the lawn at age 12, and I remember the first day walking my lawnmower down the street, around the corner, up the street, and I'm there, ready to go, and I made two mistakes. I didn't bring extra gas, and I didn't bring any water, and I did not know what I was into. And it's kind of one of those lawns that you, it takes about eight minutes per you know, span before you flip around and turn the other way, and so it just took forever. And I remember thinking, Will this ever be done? Will I ever get to the end? And after uh, someone revived me, after heat exhaustion, I did finish it. Um, and so I think sometimes our spiritual life can feel similar. That we, we, we kind of look around and go, where does this end? As we said, it's an ongoing process. It's something that, will, that takes our whole life. And we wonder, where have the years gone? We look back sometimes, we wonder, how am I the same person today as I was a year ago? Sometimes we may look back and go, how have I taken a step back from where I was a year ago? 
And we want to be the kind of people who, when we look back, we're continuing to grow in our faith, grow in our life. The second part of that definition that I want to talk about is is the end there when it talks about how our life and character are being bent towards the life and character of Jesus Christ. That we know as Christians who we want to become and who we resemble is Jesus Christ. That every day we look at Christ and we say, how do I become more like him? You may remember when those bracelets, WWJD bracelets, got very popular and everybody wore them. And to this day, my wife wears one. And that it was billed as, you wear this bracelet and look, it's like every moment I'll say, well, what would Jesus do here? And that kind of became a little cliche, but when we look at that, that's exactly the right mentality, right? That as we look at our life, we want to ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? And so I was thinking about how do we know if our life and character are becoming like Jesus's? And there's two ways that I, that I would say, two keys that, that we need in our life to know whether they're starting to look like Jesus or not, our life. The first way is I would say we immerse ourselves in the gospel story. And that the gift that God has given us through the word is a wonderful gift. There's so many stories in there of the people of God coming to know him and trying to follow him. But for a Christian, it's in our title that we follow Christ. So the most important parts of that that I would claim would be the gospel story. If we're trying to become like Christ, what better to spend our time in than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? That is where we get to know who Jesus is. That's where we get to know uh, the things that he said, the things that he did, how he treated others. If we're going to become like Christ, then we must immerse ourselves in the life of Christ. We must be able to be the kind of people who read and follow what he does and says. The second thing that I would say is, is as we look at our life, do we see more and more the fruit of the Spirit being lived out in our life? Galatians 5 verse 22 The fruit of the Spirit are listed there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we look at that list, and I remember one time telling, telling someone, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at uh, kindness, maybe, but patience is just really not my thing. I, God didn't give me patience. And I remember being gently corrected to say, no, this isn't something that you are either good at or not. This is the Spirit living in you. These, these are not like we get to pick and choose which ones we like, but rather all of these are going to be made manifest in our life through the Spirit. And so as we look at our life, we need to say, look back and say, am I becoming more loving, more joyful, more patient? Because as we live and lean into the Spirit, those things should be coming more prevalent in our life. And so we immerse ourselves in the gospel and we, we look to see the fruit of the Spirit lived out in our life. And so when we think about our spiritual formation, we wonder, how does that happen? We know what we want to look like. We want to look like Christ. We know it's an ongoing journey, but how do we get there? How do we get from where we are today to looking like Christ? Because that's what I want to spend the rest of our time looking at. And the first thing that is very important when we think about that is to understand who does the forming. Sometimes I think in a culture that we have today, we kind of think, uh, you know, my hard work will get me, get me there. Um, it's all up to my ability. I'll make the way. And what we need to understand as Christians, as followers, is that we do not do the forming, but rather it is God who forms us. That God is the one who works in us. Just as in the beginning, when God created and God formed Adam and Eve, God formed 
from the dust of the ground, that God continues to form us today. That is the role that God plays in our life. Uh, Let's read, uh, if you have a Bible, flip over to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read from there. Romans chapter 12 would also be on the screen. Verses 1 and 2 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It was in our spiritual formation definition because it comes from here. It is God who transforms you. God is the one, because of his rich mercy and grace, what he has already done in our life, that he continues to take us and he continues to form us. And you can read there some of how that happens. We offer him at our bodies as a living sacrifice, and he transforms us. He changes the way we think. He moves us away from the customs of this world, and he moves us into his line of thinking. I don't know about you, but it, my family growing up were big fans of reality TV. My mom, if it's reality TV, for the most part, she'll watch it. Survivor, Amazing Race, uh, American Idol, whatever. Uh, I don't know. She watches those shows. She really enjoys them. And one of the ones that we would watch from time to time is The Biggest Loser. And I don't know that you've seen this show or not, but it's a show about people coming together and they see who can lose the most weight, become the most fit. And they have access uh, which will be great for, for a lot of us. Uh, they have the best coaches and trainers in the whole world, right, that are there helping them on this journey. But you know, one thing on that show that the coaches and the trainers can't do is they can't get on the bike for you, that they can't get on the treadmill for them. They can't physically do the work uh, for the contestant. But wouldn't that be awesome if you could pay a small sum of money for someone to work out for you? Um, I, I would sign up for that today. Uh, That would be awesome. But they can't do that. And so sometimes we take that same mentality and we bring it into our spiritual life and say, okay, I've got to do the work. And God says, it doesn't work like that. Um, We're going to talk about in a second that, yes, we show up, but God forms us. That God is the God who gets in in our mess with us, and he is the one who starts to repair us, so to speak. He redeems us through his son, and then he starts to form us by his grace and mercy. But this is where the paradox does come in, is that how do we respond? Well, if God's the one forming us, it's our duty to show up. It's, it's on us to show up for the process. Um, one of the best stories in all the Bible that, uh, for me is found in Luke 15, and it's the story of the prodigal son. And many of you may have heard this story, but it's Jesus telling, telling a story, and it goes like this. He says, There once was a man who had two sons, and the youngest son came to him and said, I want half my inheritance right now. So his father gives into his request, and he gives his son half of everything he has. His son moves away, and he moves off to a far-off land, and as, as the text says, he engages in wild living. He lives in a way that we would not want any of our sons or daughter to live, and he loses all of his money. He squanders all of it. And then the son has to go and he has to find a job. There's a great famine in the land. And so he takes a job for a farmer feeding pigs. And he's so hungry uh, that he realizes, I could have it better than this. And this is what the text says in Luke 15. 
When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. This is on the screen. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and, and said to him, Father, he ran and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, no longer worthy of being called your son. And the father responds by saying, that's nonsense. Throws the robe on him, throws a party for him and said, you are my son, once was lost, now is found. And so we look at this, and this is, this is the God that we follow. This is the God that we serve. While we were still a long ways off, God saw us. God runs to us. I love the image there that, that, the, that the Bible lays out for us of a father running for his son. Imagine an old man running towards his father, or towards his son, because he's so excited that what was lost is now is found. And so we turn to God. We turn to God and he runs to us. And so in spiritual formation, one of the things we engage in is what we call spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines plainly are just a way that we make space, we create space in our life for God. That when we talk about prayer, we set aside time that we, we, free of distractions, we turn to God. We set aside time to immerse ourselves in the word, turning off um, the other devices maybe, or shutting off the television saying, I give this over to you and to the words you've given to me. Maybe in just our, such our busy life, um, we, just, we just walk away from other people and we spend time in solitude. Because frankly, many of us, it's not that God isn't speaking to us, it's that we can't hear over all the noise that we have in our life. And so whatever spiritual disciplines that you engage in um, or will engage in, these are just ways that we create space in our life for God to speak into them. And so just like the sun here, we spend time, we turn to God and create space for him. I read a few years ago that there's a a technique that marriage counselors were engaging in to to much success. Uh, Couples would come into their office and what they would suggest is, we want you to try five feet for five minutes. Every day when you get home, go to uh, within five feet of each other and spend five distraction-free minutes together. And as that got easier, they would, they would uh, extend that to ten, or five feet for 10 minutes or five feet for 30 minutes of just that what many couples might have needed is just to spend time together. And I think when I, uh, when I think about our spiritual lives, many of us need the, just the, the same thing. Um, that when we in, try to think about how do we engage God, how will we actually come to God um, you know, you might think, oh, I don't have an hour every day, or how am I going to make an hour? And so we set some monumental number that we're always just setting ourselves up for failure. And instead, what if we said, I'm going to start with five minutes? Because for many of us, five minutes may be better than, we can, that w- than we're giving over to God right now. Or for many of you, maybe it's 15 or 30 minutes. Um, but rather, we need something just as simple as that. As simple as saying, God, for these few minutes, I come to you. Um, distraction-free, I open myself up to you. Because when we open ourselves up to God, that's when he comes in and he transforms us. He comes in and we start to see those fruit of the Spirit lived out more and more in our life. And we start to have the life that Jesus said in John 10, that I come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's the kind of life that God wants for us. And for us to go towards that life as our journey points towards him is that we create space in our life for him.
And so today you may be wondering, how many, how many days, or how, much, how many minutes can I give over to God a day? And you may think through your day and think, I'm very busy. And uh, let me let you in on a little secret. We all think we're really busy. Everybody thinks they're busy and is busy today. But instead, but we have engaged in a Christian life. So we have agreed to something um, that maybe other people haven't. We have agreed to follow Christ always. And for many of us, that means we have to start putting um, our actions where our words have said that we are. We have to start following up our claims with our actions. That when we say that God is the most important thing to us, God is, uh, you know, my highest priority, well, we have to start to live that out. Because let me also tell you a little secret. You have time for what's important for you. You will always make time in your life for what you think is important. And so when you get to the end of the day and you didn't have time for God, it's because it wasn't important. And there's no judgment here today because we've all go through seasons where we spend that time more than others. But our goal, my goal for you today is to look out at your calendar going forward and say, where can I make time for God? Because our calendar really shows what's important to us. If we could allot every, every hour, we would know what's very important to us. And so this week going forward, where are those five minutes a day? Maybe it's first thing that you wake up. Maybe you wake up at 6.55 instead of 7, or 5.55 instead of 6, or whatever it is, and you spend those five minutes. Uh, Maybe you spend five minutes on your lunch hour, but you have five minutes a day. And hopefully, as as you lean into this, you start to find more and more time as we want to lean in to God. As we close, I'll call Steve and the praise team back to the stage. Our God is a God who saves. That he has come and he has sent his son into the world, and he has redeemed you. And this we know, and this we put our hope on. But God is not done with you yet. God wants to continue to work in your life, to lead you to that life of abundance that he says uh, you may have it to the full. And one of the ways we do that is we turn our attention to God. Today our shepherds and their wives will be around uh, the room ready to, to welcome you with prayer. Maybe you have something you've been holding back from God. Now's the time to let it go so you can start to live that life he has called you to. Will you stay in and sing with me?